Well, I tell you, I'm glad that we're saved by grace through faith. That not of works, it's a gift of God. Are you glad of that? Well, boy, I'll tell you, I'm excited about this month. This year, of course, our theme is uh, I will build my church. I want this year for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to become more precious, more needed, more valuable in the life of your family. And I think we need to realize we need the church. Amen. We need the church of the Lord Jesus where the Bible is preached, where the Lord is uplifted, where we get rules, regulations, and uh, principles by which we raise our families and serve our Lord. Amen. Well, this month, our theme is a second mile church. A second mile church. And for our church to be second mile, we need second mile Christians. You know, it's not near as crowded in the second mile as it is the first mile. There won't be near the hindrances of serving God in the second mile as they are in the first mile. Jesus said, listen to this, and it's it's so, 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 so wonderful. He said to his disciples, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go... With him twain or the second mile. It's the second mile that God gets glory. Anybody can go the first mile. It's that second mile that impresses your neighbor. And I want our church to be a second mile church. Uh, but to need for that to happen, we must have second mile Christians. Tonight, I'll be speaking on living in the second mile. I think you'll enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, at least you can come and endure it. A second mile church. But we have a second mile God. Are you glad that he didn't look at Calvary and say that's just a little bit too much? Now, I'll heal the sick, I'll multiply the fishes and the bread. And I'll walk on a little water if you please, but now that's the first mile. In the garden, he said, Lord, would the first mile be okay? And as he began to sweat, as if it were great drops of blood... As mine and your sin became heavy on his back. He said, Lord, if it be possible, let me stop at the end of the first mile. But if not, thy will be done. I'll go the second mile. I'll go to Calvary. I'll give it all. I think maybe he deserves some second mile Christians. Amen. Amen. I read for you 1 Timothy chapter 3, one verse. Our second mile God. 1 Timothy chapter 3. I read for you one verse, verse 16. Have you ever heard or have you ever watched a mystery movie? And at the front you begin to solve it yourself. Or you get frustrated and turn the thing off and say, who cares? Since the eons of eternity, God has had a secret, a mystery, something that he only knows. 
Look at verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. If you write in your Bible, you ought to write wow right there. God was manifest in the flesh. God was justified in the spirit. God was seen of angels. God was preached unto the Gentiles. God was believed on in the world. And God was received up into glory. A second mile God. One that did what he did not have to do. One that went where he did not have to go. One who suffered that which he did not have to suffer. One who endured that which he did not have to endure. One who loved when he was not loved. One who gave when no one gave to him. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Our Father today, I pray that you would open our eyes to the fact that the mystery has been already revealed in our day, in our time, for our good. The mystery of godliness is no longer a mystery. And I pray today, Lord, that you'll open our understanding, ignite the faith that it takes to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. That one that's nearest hell this morning, that one that knows not his final day on this earth, That one, Lord, that may be closer than they think. I pray today that we'd come to a knowledge that the mystery has already been revealed. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A little bit different message today. A little bit slower message today. Not because I'm getting older, but because I'd like for you to keep up with it. (laughs) If you know what I mean. Maybe a little instant replay occasionally as we go along. Just to flash before your eyes the necessity and importance of the message. Notice the Bible says in verse number one and verse number 16, and without controversy, we do not have to discuss it. We do not have to debate it. We do not have to dispute it without controversy, without any kind of conversation at all. It is a fact that great is the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness. It says great, the word in the Greek for great is the word mega. We have mega churches, we have mega stadiums, we have mega states, we have mega meat, we have mega, let's go on. Big, huge, wonderful, mega, great is the mystery of godliness. A mystery clothed so that you and I could not understand it in the Old Testament. 
From Genesis to Malachi, a wonderful, magnificent, mega truth, shaded and clouded in the Old Testament. Eve and Adam, clothed in their own little aprons of leaves. And God said, that's not good enough, so God made them skins for clothing. For the rest of Adam's life, he wandered through the garden and was wondering, why in the world wasn't my leaves good enough? They were pretty leaves. They were clean leaves. Why wasn't mine and my wife's, what I did was not it good enough. Cain, in the early chapters of the book of Genesis chapter 4, a great farmer, a husband and a man of the earth. He grew watermelons so big. You'd need an 18-wheeler to haul them. Wow, I'd like to dive into one of them boogers, wouldn't you? Forget the seeds. I wouldn't just eat the heart out of that thing. A wonderful farmer. Nobody ever said that Cain was a heathen before that. But Cain brought his offering to the altar. The fruit of the ground. God looked at that in disdain. And refused it and rejected. And Abel, just a verse down, brought to him the firstlings of the flock. And Cain said, why wasn't mine good enough? Mystery. Genesis 3 and 15, the promise of our Lord. The first promise in all the word of God of Jesus Christ. When God looked at Eve and said... Thy seed and his seed. And Eve said, I thought it was the man's seed. But this one is going to be unusual. It's going to be the seed of the woman. A mystery. David, the great psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He did not realize he is talking about the chief shepherd in the New Testament where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Hid. Mystery. Still a mystery to some of you, isn't it? It's been revealed. But in our mind, it's clouded. What is godliness? Is godliness a set of rules? Is godliness a religious act? Or is godliness a person? Mystery. Well, preacher, I get saved, but I don't understand it. A mystery. Well, I don't believe all that. You can't explain that to me. Why should I explain it? Why don't I just enjoy it? And if you don't like what I'm doing, then you continue in the mess that you're in. A mystery. (laughs) You can't explain to me how that Jesus Christ can walk into the graveyard to a naked man by the name of Legion, cast out the devils, save his soul, send him back home with his clothes on, acting right and different. Mystery of godliness. Oh, preacher, you're a nut. I know, but I'm screwed on the right bolt. Amen. Mystery. Got your Bible? Let's you and I do a little Bible study today. You say, preacher, I didn't come for that. I come to be in, I come to enjoy things. A mystery. A fellow named Juan comes to the Mexican border on his bicycle. Got two large bags of sand on his bicycle. The guards there at the border stopped him and says, what's in the bags? Little old Juan said, just sand. 
And they take the bags and they pour it out on the ground. They go through the sand and they look at the bags and they check it with their machines. Sure enough, nothing but sand. So they gave the sand back to Juan and he went off. Next week, here come Juan on his bicycle. Two bags of sand. What you got in the bags? Sand. I don't believe you. Well, check it out. They take the sandbags, pour the sand out, go through it, sand, put it back in, said, well, okay, go ahead. This continued for about three years. Every week they checked the sand. Nothing in the sand. After about three years, one day the guard saw Juan down at the cafe drinking his, uh, whatever he drinks, and the guy says to Juan, says, Juan, I'll tell you, it's a mystery to me. I know you're smuggling something across the border. And for three years, I have not figured it out. Juan, please tell me what you're smuggling. Juan took a beer, a drink out of his beer, and he said, bicycles. Mystery solved. Mystery solved. Without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. Let's solve the mystery in your mind and in your heart today. Take your Bible, please. Unless you and I turn, if you would please, to the book of Ephesians for just a minute. Ephesians chapter number three, the mystery of godliness. I read for you Ephesians chapter number three. I read for you, if you would please, verse three. How that... By revelation, he made known unto me, Paul is writing, made known unto me the mystery. Paul said, God revealed unto him the mystery that had been hidden throughout the ages of time. He revealed unto Paul the plan of redemption. He, re- he revealed unto Paul that which only he And God the Spirit and God the Son, he revealed unto Paul the mystery. Whereby, verse 4, whereby when you read, you may understand. Understand what? The mystery of God. Understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. As it is now revealed unto his apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Read it slow now. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise. In Christ by the gospel. Verse 9. If you would please. Verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. Who created all things by Christ, by Jesus Christ. To the intent. That now under the principalities and powers in heaven, places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The mystery that has been hidden throughout all ages and now made known unto us. Again, you can find it in Romans 16 verse 25 through 26. Again, you can find it in Colossians 1, 25 and uh, through 27. But here we see 
What has been concealed in the Old Testament has now become revealed in the New Testament. You got that? What has been hidden in the Old Testament has now become evident in the New Testament. And he wants us to know this great mystery of godliness. And he says about the mystery of godliness. Here it is. God was made manifest in the flesh. I don't know if you know it or not. But in every religion in the world. Christianity is the only religion with a personal God. A God who cares. A God who loves. A God who will go to all extremes to manifest himself to us. That we might know him, identify with him, love him, and serve him. You see, I cannot identify with the Spirit. I'm sorry. I don't even like spirits. They call them ghosts. I don't want anything in my bedroom but me and Ginger. If I ever wake up and Jesus is standing at the foot of my bed and says anything, he better duck because I'm going to shoot him. I'll get scared, run over him, and hurt him trying to get out. So I cannot identify with a ghost. I don't want anything moving without the wind blowing. Sorry. So God knew that I could not identify with that which I could not see, that which I could not touch, that which I could not relate to. God knew that. And God knew you couldn't either. And we go about talking about God, God, our heavenly father, the force, the source. Throw our prayers up in the air, hoping that God will retrieve them somehow or another. Thank God I don't serve that kind of God. In the Old Testament, he's that kind of God. But in the New Testament, he is God in flesh. You understand that? God in flesh. My God has hands like I have. My God has feelings like I have. My God has been tempted in all fashions such as I. And yet without sin. My God got thirsty. My God got hungry. My God felt pain. My God felt sorrow. My God knows what it is to die. But my God knows what it is to come back alive. My God knows what it's like to walk this old weary hard earth. My God knows what it is to be a teenager. My God feels and knows because he was a teenager once. He felt what you felt. He saw what you saw. He had desires like you have. Our God knows how you feel because he's felt like you feel. Our God knows about loneliness. Our God knows about mom and dads. And our God knows about pain. My God became flesh and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the father take your bible if you would please go to john chapter 1 would you please john chapter 1 in your bible if you we're just going to we're just going to mess around today and learn something is that all right Amen. we we just going we just going to see just what kind of god we got Amen. and it's without controversy we don't have to discuss it We don't have to go to another book. We don't have to go to another source. We don't have to go to another church. If you want to know about God and know about godliness, you came to the right place. 
Notice, if you would, in John chapter number one, if you would, please. And, and I, I know you know this, but I want to look at this. Notice, if you would, please, in verse number one, in the beginning was the word. And the word was God. Jesus declared himself to be God. In the beginning was the word, capital W-O-R-D. You know what words are? Words are an avenue of communication. If me and this brother just stood for about a month and looked at one another, we'd both get sick. I'm sure he'd get sicker before I did. But uh, we just get sick. There ain't no communication. Somebody said, I can communicate with my eyes. You can't either. That's why God gave us words to communicate with. Words. He is capital W-O-R-D. He is God's word to us. (laughs) Declaration. Notice verse 3. God in his demonstration. And. All things were made by him. Who? The word. Jesus. He is not only declaring himself to be God. He is demonstrating himself to be God. For all things were created by him. He declared it. Bless your heart. And he demonstrated it. Can you say amen? And then verse 14, he displayed it. And the word, the creating word, the word of God, the word that was God, he became flesh and dwelt among us. He not only declared himself to be God, he not only demonstrated himself to be God, but he became flesh and showed you and I that he is God. Can anybody say an amen in a Baptist church? Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb. He loved me enough to transcend, to cross the chasm of spirit into reality, into flesh, into matter, so that you and I can see him. He is like us, matter, and that's all that matters. Praise God. For a second mile, God... Who will go to the nth degree to become like me that I might identify with him? Wow. Buddha can't do that. Allah didn't do that. Allah supposedly sat supremely in the great beyond. Wait until those folks... Who martyred himself to pass out 70 virgins to him. What in the world would I do with 70 virgins at 73 years of age? That would not be a reward. That would be total punishment. <laughs> I don't know what some of you guys grinning about. I'll talk to your wife after church and we'll see how you make out. Thanks be unto God. He cleared it up. The word became flesh. Wow. That's better than snuff and not near as dusty. Amen. Without controversy. We don't have to argue about it. No use debating it. Without controversy. Mystery saw. God was manifest in the flesh, made visible. Philippians 2 and 7, made in the likeness of man. Second John 1, 7, Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. I'm glad of that. See, now I can go to my God and I can say, Jesus, she didn't cook again tonight. Jesus says, you know, I was hungry one time. Gene, if you got any fish and loaves, you can multiply. 
He knows. He feels. He understands. That's the kind of God I want. Not only was my God manifest in the flesh, the Bible said he was justified in the spirit. Vindicated to be who he said he was. Authenticated, if you please. The Bible says he was justified, legitimized, substantiated, even yonder in Matthew 3, very early in Matthew 3, we hear these words, justified in the Spirit. And it's just amazing, if you please, if you'll just read all the Word of God and believe all the Word of God, can I read for you verse 15 of Matthew chapter 3 in regards to the mystery of godliness? God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. I read for you verse 15 now. Our Lord is being baptized. Boy, and there's a lot of controversy about that issue of baptism. And well, preacher, I, I can go to heaven without being baptized. Yes, you can. And can you run around town without any clothes on too? Because you have that right. Well, preacher, why should I be baptized? Jesus said... Suffer me now to be baptized. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. <laughs> I don't know if that's important to you or not. Was to Jesus. John said, hey, I, I, I need to be baptized. You, I'm not going to baptize you. You, uh, I need to be baptized. Jesus said, now John, just cool up. Just, just slack off a little. I'm being baptized to fulfill all righteousness. You say, well, what does that mean? It means 46 years ago when I got in the baptistry and I was baptized, I did the very first thing God commanded me to do after I got saved. And by doing that, I fulfilled the righteous command wishes of my Lord. And when Jesus was baptized, for some unknown reason, the heavens opened and a dove descended from heaven landed upon the shoulder of our Lord. Oh, by the way, that dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus vindicated. Jesus justified. Everybody, listen to what I've got to say. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Notice he didn't say that before he was baptized. When did God the Father say he was pleased in his son? When he had fulfilled all righteousness. He didn't help to be saved. He did not aid in this salvation. He didn't need to be saved. You don't need to be baptized to be saved. But if you're saved, you need to be baptized to be obedient. To God's wishes and command and to fulfill all righteousness. And so our Lord was vindicated, justified, and absolved and proven who he was when he was baptized. I don't have time. But you know it's about time some of us learned something. You know, I, I listen to a lot of preaching. And I just say to myself, 
I wish those guys had read their Bible before they said that. You said, who made you authority? God. I mean, it's very simple. It's as simple as falling off a log. All you got to do is just close your eyes and turn loose. But I, I, can't, I can't imagine. Our Lord was vindicated at his baptism when he did his duty. He was vindicated and justified by the Father when he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He was vindicated by John the Baptist in John 1, verse 32 through 33. John said, I saw the Spirit of God descending on him. (laughs) I like that, don't you? Vindicated by the Spirit of God. Vindicated by his miracles, turning water into wine. Some of you lush heads would like to have that power, wouldn't you? You say, well, preacher, you're talking to Baptist folk. I know I'm talking to folks who's living a different standard. I'm talking to folks who come to church, walk around in their religious garb and even wear their tie and take off and stop and buy Colorado Kool-Aid on the way home. You are a double standard, worthless standard, sorry to God and need to hit this altar and repent. You said, I believe in social drinking and you are a social nut. You know how you become an alcoholic? You start. You say, well, I'm not addicted. Then why are you mad at me? You know it's not right for a Christian. You ought to just quit it. And if I was your wife, I'd put arsenic in your gravy. And if I was your kids, I'd say, Daddy, let me drink with you. Just give me a little shot of that hoops, Daddy. I know it's so good and I know it's so profitable and I know it's so uplifting. Just lay it on me, Daddy. You say, you're talking to me? If I'm standing in your front yard, I'm not yelling at your neighbor. You're welcome. That's not in the sermon, not even in the notes, but it was in my heart. I need to say it. He was vindicated as his resurrection. Romans chapter 1, verse 5. And declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection, by the Spirit of holiness. Hallelujah, praise God. It's all about Jesus and not about anybody else. The controversy of godliness. Godliness is not a set of rules. Godliness is not a religious form. Godliness is Jesus Christ. God made flesh, vindicated, justified in the spirit and seen of angels. I wish I had time. I don't have time. I got to quit. Seen of angels. Yes, this is Jesus viewed, Jesus vindicated, Jesus visible. Thank God, God has come. He was attended by angels after the temptation of Satan in the wilderness. At the agony of the garden, after he'd prayed as it were great drops of blood, the Bible says, and there appeared an angel unto him and from heaven and strengthened him. What do you know about angels? Have you ever seen an angel? Would you recognize one? What good is angels today? I know one thing. They watched over Jesus his entire life. They announced his birth. Yeah, angels announced his birth. Probably an angel came to my mom and said, a great event is about to take place nine months from now. June 22nd, 1939. It was a great day. Angels must have attended that. You say, you're crazy. You read Hebrews 1. The Bible said, 
the angels are ministering spirits unto the heirs of salvation. I wonder how many times you have just barely missed death or barely missed a clasmitic situation and you, boy, wasn't I lucky. As a teenager, me and four or five other idiots in a 50 Ford in 1953. In Tennessee, the roads are so crooked, many times you can see your taillights as you turn a corner. <laughs> Tennessee is very hilly, straight up and down. I come around the corner one day, and there's a farmer laying in the road on his back. Still had his hoe in his hand. I said, sir, can I help you? He said, no, sir. This is the third time I fell out of that garden today. <laughs> True story. Racing in those roads. 80 miles an hour in a 50 Ford. Me and three other Fort Bellas. Suddenly as I came to a curve, I tried to turn the wheel. The steering wheel just went round and around without affecting the wheel, the tires. Facing a rock, huge rock. And I began to scream and yell. No control. I hit the brakes. The right front brake grabbed. Pulled that car around the corner out into a field and it parked. We said, Boy. Are we lucky? I wonder if God knew that I needed to start Joshua Baptist Church some 50 years later. In a cockfight in Oklahoma. Don't know what I was doing there. I was just passing by. A two-lotter bet on the gray rooster. The gray rooster won. The man said, I'm not going to pay you, Wolf. I stood and I kicked him and cut him from here all the way to his ear. He hit the ground. His daddy put a pistol in my face and pulled the hammer back and said, you're a dead man. I was sure lucky I was running around with a big guy who grabbed the guy by the heels and held him on the top blucher and said, if you don't drop the gun, I'm going to drop you. Boy, have I been lucky. Have you ever come real close? Boy, aren't you lucky. 80 miles an hour in a pickup truck. 200 pounds of steel laying on the floor. I hit a curve. The truck began to spin. And I turned it over on its side. 200 pounds of steel, just barely. But wasn't I lucky? It missed my head and knocked the window out. Why should I have been lucky? No, God's been good. Don't mess with me. I'll sick my angel on you. (laughs) Are they not ministering spirits under the heirs of salvation? I don't think I want to take my angel this afternoon to the 7-Eleven and get me some Colorado Kool-Aid and say, you enjoy this. I don't think I want to live a double standard because I do have a guardian angel. And I'll not die till he gets ready. And I sure hope God don't say, hey, it's today. I'll say, 
Angel, would you be my lawyer and talk to him and give me another 15 years? <laughs> Is anybody here? Oh, this thing of godliness, it's a mystery. And the reason you live like you live, act like you act, talk like you talk, go where you go. You're still in the dark. You just don't know this thing. It's really important. Important enough for your God to go the second mile. Manifest himself in the flesh that you might identify him. Be vindicated in the spirit. And by the way, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came into your life to make him real to you. Scene of angels. Don't have time. Believed on in the world. Advocated. And received up into glory. He loved us so much. He gave his glory up. And came here. He loved sinners so much. He gave up his glory. And he loved Christians so much. That he got it back. That we might worship. And praise him. All this thing about. Godliness. I wish I had time. I don't. If you'd turn in your Bible please. I will conclude the message today. In Colossians chapter 1. Just a, just a verse. And. It's just so hard. Uh, I am not that smart. I'm just too slow. But there's so many things about this thing, about godliness. You see, he was advocated to the Gentiles. That means he was preached. He made it uh, a part. He made it known. He was accepted by some of the world. Mission accomplished. Notice he ascended up into heaven, and that means Jesus was vested with power and authority and glory. And notice I conclude the great mystery of God. It's no longer a mystery. Let me tell you the mystery in one verse. Are you ready? The mystery of godliness. Without controversy, it is a great mystery. Here it is revealed, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. Preacher, I I just don't know if that will work. Well, why don't you try it? You've tried everything else. Why don't you try Jesus for a while? Why don't you get high on Jesus? If you do, you won't ever come down. Amen. That's the mystery. I close with Colossians chapter 1. Now look at this. Let me read it for you. Great is the mystery of godliness. Colossians 1 verse 26. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations. But now is made manifest to his saints. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. One question, is Christ in you? If he is not, you have no hope of glory. Preacher, how much does God love me? God loves you enough to be manifested in the flesh, seen and ministered to by angels. I think that's pretty good. To be preached on into all the world. And believed on by many that's in the world and received up in the glory. Godliness is not a bunch of rules and regulations that I have to keep. Well, preacher, I get saved, but I can't 
I just can't live it. Godliness is not what you do. Godliness is what you allow God to do in you. Godliness does not depend on you. Godliness depends upon God working in you. The mystery revealed, it's Christ in you. As a young Christian, I close, didn't know anything in the Bible. Just a routing 25-year-old idiot. And I got saved. One of the first principles I heard after I got saved, Christ in you. That meant everywhere I went, he went with me. That meant ever I dressed, either shamed or glorified him. That meant the words that I say, either honored or dishonored, Christ in me. I don't go where I used to go. I don't sing what I used to sing. I don't think what I used to think. I don't dress like I used to dress. I don't fight like I used to fight. Why don't you do some of them things, preacher? Whatever I do, do all to the glory of God. I don't have the temper I used to have. I don't have to prove anything anymore with these. That old song says, we don't live there anymore. Amen. Amen. Why? Because now I desire to be godly. I desire to be like Christ. I want to be like my God, a second miler. Question, is Christ in you? And does your neighbor know it?